Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. Our mission is to make disciples who are radically devoted to Christ, having both a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Andrew Kastner. In case you didn't figure it out, it is pretty nerve-wracking to get up here and preach, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity. I love preaching. I believe God has put this on my heart, and I'm, I'm so excited to share with you this sermon. And I just want you to know right off the bat, this is not something that I've just put together um, because I think it's a, a good topic or because it was just assigned to me. This sermon and these, these truths, I just want you to know from the get-go, we have been living this as a family this week. God's Word is so powerful And he wants to speak to you today. So please receive these truths. Listen to God's voice as we open his word together. And I'm here to tell you today, whether you knew it or not, we are at war. Now I know that we've spent time uh, looking at the news, scrolling through articles, reading and staying up on what's happening with the Ukraine and with Russia. And it's, it's heartbreaking And it's sad and it's serious and people are suffering and people are dying. But this is not the war that I want to talk to you about today. It's a war that's much closer to home. It's a war that's happening right now. It's a war that happens every day in your life. It is the spiritual battle that we are in with the forces of darkness, with the forces of evil. That each one of us, you are being shot at. You've been shot at this week. Maybe you've even been shot at this morning. You've been hiding in a trench, fearing for your life, fighting for your life. There's death and there's despair happening all around you. And today, God has asked me to bring you this word to tell you it is time. It is time to get in the fight. And, and here's why. Our, our war that we're fighting right now, it's, it's not seen. You can't see it with your physical eyes. But in our hearts and our minds, we know that we are being bombarded with thousands and thousands of negative thoughts every single day. God wants you to live a life of victory. He wants you to win these battles that you're facing. And and this war, it's gonna continue. It's gonna continue until Jesus comes back. But today, I wanna encourage you I want you to walk out of this room today, whether you're joining us online, I want you to leave this this sermon this time as we open God's word, knowing how you can win the war in your mind. Because God wants you to change the way that you think so that you can experience victory. So if you are ready, if you're here with me in this moment or you're online, you can put it in the chat. I want you to look to the person next to you and say, I'm ready. Okay, come on, I'm super nervous. Y'all are gonna have to do better than that. Say it back to me. One, two, three, I'm I'm ready. Okay. The National Science Foundation published an article. I read this this week. It was found that the average person has between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day. I don't know about you, I've never tried to count how many thoughts I have, but if I did, I would be consumed all day when you consider how many thoughts come into your mind. It also read that one uh, of of those thousands of thoughts, 80% were negative and 95% were exactly the same repetitive thoughts as the day before. This may sound extremely daunting, and it is. And this is why I believe we need to know what God says about how to change the way that we think. God does not want you to live 
with a 95% repetitive negative thought life. So I want us to embark on a journey together. If you're willing to do that today, if you're willing to open your mind and your heart and receive God's truth, I want us to discover together how can we change the way that we think. Because the truth is when we change the way that we think, the promise is that God can change your life. When we change the way that we think, God will change your life. How many of you want a better life? How many of you want a better thought life today? All right, so if that's you, again, I'm gonna ask you, are you ready? Awesome. We need to get into the fight. One of the, one of the biggest ways that the devil has victory over us is to make us believe that nothing is going on. Nothing is going on. You could, you could be living your life ignoring all the battles that are happening in your mind. And the good news is that you're not alone on the battlefield. God and his word are there surrounding you and, and trying to link arms with you and give you what you need in this battle. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says, for though we live in the world, the one we can see, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, I want to deconstruct that last sentence there, divine power to demolish strongholds. The word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. Dunamis. Sounds a lot like the word dynamite. And there's a reason for that, because this word dunamis is talking about explosive power. And and so when we read this, God has given us explosive divine power to demolish what? Strongholds. And the word for strongholds in the Greek is akurama, and it's talking about military fortresses, military strongholds built in the highest peak, meant to keep everything out and to protect what's inside. And overnight, the devil can sneak a thought into your mind, and it looks like a simple little camp. But within the matter of hours, the more that you think, the more lies that you receive, before you know it, that little, that little tent, that little cottage has now turned into this giant, strong palace, fortress that is now protecting a lie that you've believed. A lie that the devil has fed you. He's whispered it into your mind. A lie that the world has told you. And today, you're here and God wants you to start demolishing these strongholds. You gotta get in the fight, friends. You gotta get in the fight. Each stronghold protects a lie from the devil. You don't have anybody to trust. You won't succeed. You'll always be broke. You'll never have a good marriage. God doesn't hear your problems. He doesn't care about your problems. Nothing will ever make a difference. You'll never amount to anything. And the greatest lie the one that the devil has been speaking into hearts and minds since the beginning of time, God has lied. Each one of these lies has a power to trap you. The fortress protects the lie, but it wants to trap you inside with it. So either we can take our thoughts captive or they will take us captive In that same passage, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against what? The knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That take captive, that is a violent force action. We have to fight for it. Why? Because these lies are toxic. 
You can't live this way. You've got to get in the fight because you can't live this way. And, and science and the Bible agree on this. Did you know that cognitive behavior psychology shows that, that relational challenges, eating disorders, addictions, and many forms of anxiety are a direct result of toxic thinking. It starts with a lie that we believe. If you think you can't, over time you probably won't. If you dwell on problems, over time you will be overwhelmed. If you feel like a victim constantly, over time you will most likely become one. But God wants you to start doing battle today. And in order to do battle, the first thing that you have to do is identify those strongholds. So this morning we're going to embark on a little bit of a thought audit you're going to start thinking about what the strongest negative thought is in your mind. That one thought that creates a rut in your mind, that lives rent-free in your mind, that you have no problem going back to or thinking of because you've thought it so much that it lives there. It's a stronghold that has embedded itself in your mind. So you need to do a little scouting. You need to do a little scouting. Identify the most recurring negative thought that you have. This is where the devil sets up shop. Did you know that your brain is kind of like Silly Putty? Anybody play with Silly Putty growing up? Man, are you all awake? Did you get your coffee this morning? I've had like six cups, so I'm definitely awake. <laughs> Did you know that your brain is like Silly Putty? The, the actual term for this is neuroplasticity. What this means is that your brain is highly moldable. Highly moldable. Did you know that your brain responds physically to the kinds of thoughts that you have? Did you know that when you have a positive thought, your neural transmitters surge a rewarding feeling through your mind, through your body, you just feel energized. Did you know that serotonin, a chemical that your brain releases when you have positive thoughts, it helps you stay calm and focused? Did you know that when something really awesome happens, something that you were really looking forward to or you've been expecting happens, that your brain releases dopamine into your system? This is, this is the feeling of reward. It's the feeling of pleasure. So, for example, if you post something on Facebook that you think is really cool, but then you realize a whole bunch of people are commenting and they think it's cool, guess what happens in your brain? Dope. <laughs> when somebody comments on your hair and they say, man, your hair is on point today, guess what happens? Dope. When my wife texts me when I'm at work after a long day and she's like, hey, baby, I love you. I can't wait for you to get home. Dope. That's what, that's what positive thoughts do for you. In the same way, negative thoughts, they also change your brain's chemistry. This is a real thing. Negative thoughts increase cortisol. That's a different hormone, which, which is the stress hormone. Cortisol makes it harder for you to respond effectively towards the next negative thought. So if we're constantly allowing negative thoughts and we're not doing battle, we're not getting into the fight with those you get overrun and what's happening actually physically, hormonally in your body is you are more incapable of getting back to a positive thought. The more you think a negative thought, the easier it becomes to think it again. And this is why, friends, we must do the work of identifying the biggest strongholds in our life. The reason you need to pinpoint strongholds, this is a quote from a book I've been reading, you cannot defeat what you cannot define. 
If you cannot define it, if you can't say what that lie is, you will not be able to defeat it with the power of God's word. This requires some serious work, some serious effort. You cannot turn your back on this fight because it's coming to you. You are in it whether you like it or not. You can declare the truth that demolishes the stronghold with that power, that explosive power that God has given you. If you're a child of God, his spirit lives in you. And what, is he, what does he want us to do? He wants us to demolish arguments, demolish them, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we do what? We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive. This is, this is a violent action. This is not passive. This requires work, and you need a weapon to do it. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful, and it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. And it, and it cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And it what? It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You can't do this alone. You need God's power. But he's given us everything that we need. He's given us his word, the sword that we can wield against the enemy. 2 Peter 1.3 says his divine power, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So we've got to do this. We've got to do this every day. And it's time to start now. If you're here today and you haven't started fighting in this battle, the spiritual war that's happening, I want to tell you today's the day. You need to identify those strongholds you need to demolish them with the truth of God's word. And then you're going to go to sleep. And guess what? The next day you're going to wake up and the, and the, and the clock's going to reset and you're going to have to do it all over again. But guess what? God is with us. Get in the fight. God is with you. God wants you to take your mind back. This can be a very wearisome journey. It's very tiring. It's exhausting. It's not easy. I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm preaching this from a place of vulnerability. This week has been hard for my family. We're tired. We're weary. Because doing battle like this takes it out of you. This is why we need to continually train our minds. Train our minds. You need to go to battle. You need to train your mind because the battle's ongoing. So the training needs to be ongoing. Now, I like fitness. I know it doesn't look like it but I do. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> I've studied a lot about physiology and how to get the most out of our bodies, but one thing that I've really learned is that the most of the results that I'm looking for are actually accomplished with the diet that I keep. I can kill myself in the gym and not really see the results that I want if I'm not backing that up with the proper nutrition. Exercise is good, but real training is more than just exercise. It's more than just the doing. It's what am I putting into myself. It's about diet. In Philippians 4, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and he's giving them a diet. He's giving them a training plan and a diet. And he says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. That's the work. That's the exercise. Fix your thoughts, and here's the diet on what is true and honorable and right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about these things. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, where's Paul writing this from? Can we do a little history checkup? He's writing this from prison. I'm, I'm willing to bet that Paul's 
diet in prison isn't that great. I'm pretty sure he's not getting all the macro and micronutrients that his body needs. Maybe Paul was the beginning of the intermittent fasting program that we see circulating now these days because he probably didn't even eat very much. But he's not talking about a physical diet. He's talking about a solid spiritual diet. And the work that he's calling us to do is to fix our thoughts, which means to meditate. To meditate. And did you know that the dictionary defines this this way? To meditate is to engage in mental exercise such as concentration on one's breathing or repetition of a mantra for the purpose of reaching a heightened level of spiritual awareness. That's from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. And we know that the Bible supports this. We see clearly in the life of the psalmist all throughout Psalms, just a couple examples. Psalm 119, he says, I meditate on what? Your precepts and consider your ways. He's thinking, he's fixing his mind on God's sovereignty. Psalm 143 says, I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. He's meditating on God's faithfulness. While Eastern meditation says you need to empty your mind, biblical meditation says you need to fill your mind and fix on truth. Fix your mind on truth. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, Pastor Andrew, I can't seem to really hold on to truth. I think about it, but it just, it it comes, it, it leaves as fast as it comes into my mind. Well, one of the authors I've read this week said, you need to write it, you need to think it, you need to confess it, until you believe it. Write it, think it, confess it, until you believe it. If you do the work and you put the right things into your mind, God will do what he promises to do. Now we all know that exercise and dieting, it takes time to see results, right? You're not gonna do this one time and then all the strongholds are gonna be demolished in your life. This is an ongoing battle, remember? But this new diet will change the way that you think. So we're in this battle. God wants you to take your mind back. How? By training your mind with truth so that you can, number three, control your negative thoughts. Look at the person next to you and say, control your negative thoughts. Go. Okay? Remember, your brain is like silly putty, right? And it's already been significantly shaped at this point. You've had experiences You've been taught things by parents, by others. You've been influenced by world culture, propaganda, media. You've also been shaped by trauma in your life, whether it's been things like abuse or physical pain or accidents. And, and, and your mind is molded and it remembers all of this stuff. Now, not all thoughts are inherently negative, but they may feel like it because, because of the filter and the frame that we place on them. The filter or frame that we place on our thoughts and on our life, it impacts the way that we see it. In order for us to take control of our thoughts, we need to constantly frame them God's way. I wanna use the Apostle Paul as, as an example again. The Apostle Paul was called to the Gentiles to go to preach in Rome. Now, I'm a pastor. I like to preach. When I think of going to a new city and starting a church plant, I think of what would that look like? What would be the dream? It would look like y'all. It would look like a room like this, people that love the Lord, 
that come every week that we gather regularly and we engage in, in honoring and true worship before the Lord in music and in song and in prayer and in preaching and encouraging one another. There's no doubt this is what Paul was envisioning when he was going to Rome and, and getting there was extremely hard and he was captured. And instead of going to Rome and being able to walk the streets and witness to people, we find Paul in this letter to the Philippians planting the first church or the first prison ministry in Rome, not the first church plant in Rome. Now this could have been highly discouraging when God takes away your dream and gives you something different that's a lot less than that dream. We respond to that. We respond to that. But Paul's going to teach us something very important. Sometimes the blessing is in what God doesn't give you instead of what he does. See, Paul could have interpreted his circumstance, his life. He could have had negative thoughts and written this letter from a negative place. And he could have said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really stinks. As a result of the hell I've been through, I'm quitting life group and I'm never going back to church. We laugh, but, but don't we feel that way sometimes too? Instead, what does he write? He filters and he frames his circumstance and his thoughts. And this is, he, he, he gives us this truth. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He sees the blessing. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. How did Paul stay so positive in such a negative circumstance? He reframed his mind to see the blessing of God's goodness in his life. That God didn't give him what he originally wanted, but he saw that as good instead of bad. He didn't complain about what happened. Instead, he thanked God. He thanked God for what didn't happen. Paul was able to control the way that he thought because he reframed his circumstances through the lens of God's goodness. Maybe you're not struggling right now. Maybe you're not in a hard circumstance or maybe you're in a season of peace. That's great. That's great. Now is a perfect time for you to do some real work before the next battle comes. Because you are promised trials. You are promised temptations. You're, you're guaranteed attacks by the devil. We already read that passage. But in times of rest from these battles, what does God want us to look for? He wants us to look for his goodness. You know, uh, Pastor Scott, our senior pastor, we all know that he's a runner. This comes up often. And on social media, it comes up often. And he's the crazy person that runs on ice and in the winter when we're all huddling by our fireplace. But one thing that I've observed from Pastor Scott, the reason he's able to do a lot of the running that he does is because he prepares for it. Now, he's not just drinking water and like, and preparing himself five minutes before he goes on a run for 10, 15, 100 miles. He's drinking water throughout the day, every single day. I actually just learned a couple of weeks ago, I, this whole time I've been here for years, I thought he was walking around with a coffee mug, drinking coffee just like me. The other day we were walking and talking, we walked right into the kitchen and I watched him pour water in that mug, stick the mug in the microwave and start drinking it. I'm like, this guy is, is crazy. He's so committed to drinking water, he's just gonna drink hot water all throughout the day. It's crazy, but you know what he's doing? He's preparing himself for, for that hard run. He's preparing himself for that harsh weather. 
He's preparing himself for the fatigue that is going to set in when he's doing the hard thing. And I want to encourage you today, and, and if you're in a time of peace and a time of rest between battles, now is the time to drink in God's goodness into your life, into your mind. Because you've got to go to battle. You will go to battle. And God wants you to take your mind back by training your mind well so that you can control what you think and frame your life through God's goodness. And all of this is for our fourth point, so that you can calm your anxious mind. Look to your neighbor and say, calm your anxious mind. I just say it with like a really deep breath, calm your anxious mind. God wants you to live a life of peace. Whether you can fully believe that right now or not, God wants you to live a peaceful life. Even in the middle of battles, he wants you to experience this. Paul writes in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with what? Thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, and then he goes to our diet, right? And he says, right at the end of, of verse 8, think about such things and the God of peace will be with you. So, it's very clear. You can't get around this one. God wants you to pray and he wants you to think about the right things. But sometimes our brain gets in the way of doing this. Don't you wish somebody could just look at you and just be like, bro, don't be anxious. Okay. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, guess what? Your brain isn't created that way. Did you know that there's this little almond-shaped part of your brain called the amygdala? And this is your flight or, uh, or fight center. So, for example, when danger is approaching, your amygdala kicks in and sends, sends strong doses of adrenaline into your system. So, for example, you see a snake, you run. If you, if you are walking down the sidewalk and you hear a careening vehicle coming towards you, you don't stop to look and check. You, you get out of the way. That's your amygdala, fight or flight, right? For me, that's spiders. It really doesn't matter what size they are. really doesn't matter what kind they are. I'm stronger and, well, sometimes faster depending on the spider. But, but as soon as I see a spider, I, it's adrenaline and I am gone. I'm out. Out. That's my amygdala. I, I can't control that response. I really can't, I promise. My brain is hardwired to protect me from spiders. <laughs> but that, that fear, that, that, that danger, that fear of that danger, it's not objective, right? It's not always objective. So our amygdala needs a little bit of help from our prefrontal cortex, the logic part of the brain. So here's how it plays out. If there's a, a noise at night and you wake up, your amygdala says, there's somebody in the house, we're all gonna die! Right? Your prefrontal cortex kicks in and goes, no, it's just my dumb cat knocking things over again. You're good, go back to sleep. If, it, if we only lived with our amygdala, we would be such a wreck. But you know what? The sad thing is a lot of us do. 
a lot of us do. And scripture teaches that prayer is the prefrontal cortex of your mind, of your soul. Prayer is what brings you back to reality. Prayer is the objective part, the logic part. Philippians 4, 6, we read this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. If you have a big test coming up, God wants to hear about that. You have a job interview that you're anxious about? God wants to hear about that. Do you have financial fears? Maybe things aren't aren't looking so great right now. God wants to hear about that. Why? Because God knows, because he made you, he knows that prayer alters the chemistry of your brain. I read another resource this week by Dr. Caroline Leaf. It says, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over only an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Isn't that incredible? That God created us in such a way that when we obey and we do what he wants us to do, that it literally changes our body, our brain. Because he wants you to live in peace. He wants to bless you with that. But we have to do it his way. You have to do it his way. Maybe you're here today and, and you say, well, I've, I've done all the, I feel like I've done all the right things. Why isn't God just giving me the peace? It says he'll give me peace. Give me the peace, God. What we fail to realize is that peace is the blessing. Peace is the blessing. It's not the purpose. God doesn't say, pray so that you can get peace. He says, pray with thanksgiving and I will give you peace. See, some of us have placed peace on the pedestal and we worship the idea of peace more than we worship God. When you're trying to calm your anxious mind and all you want is peace, God says, all you should want is me. Because if you want peace, you're not gonna get it without him. But he wants your heart. He wants all of you. Don't place the blessing of peace on the pedestal of worship in your life. He says to pray with, with thanksgiving. Why? Because guess what? It's, it's pretty hard to be thankful and worried at the same time. When you are truly thankful and consider God's goodness and faithfulness in your life, he knows that that is going to remove worry, fear, anxiety from your mind. And I want you to understand, really, at at its core, at the root of it, that anxiety, that fear, that worry, do you know what that is? That is the sin of distrusting the promises and power of God. Staying in that place, not fighting, not training your mind, not controlling what you think, letting your mind wreak havoc on your life, That worry, that anxiety, that fear is at its root distrust of the promises and power of God. Now I think we've proven in this sermon that sometimes not all anxiety and fear is strictly spiritual. 
We never tell people not to get checked out by your doctor, not to get the care that you need because your body may not be able to do this. But I have found in my years as a biblical counselor that the body and the soul and the mind are so connected. You may be suffering physically from a problem, but a lot of us are suffering spiritually because we are distrusting God's promises and power. That explosive power that can blow up those strongholds. We're not experiencing it because we don't believe him. He wants you, God wants you to want him, believe him, trust him more than you trust in anything else. He wants your heart. So friends, we have to go to battle. We've got to get in the fight because God wants you to take your mind back. He wants you to take control of your mind. He wants you to see his goodness in your life so that you can calm your anxious mind. So when we say, let's change the way that we think, what do we need to do? Get in the fight. Take your mind back. Train it. Control it so that you can calm your anxious mind. I'm, I would be really curious to know, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, how many of you walked in here fighting an intense mental battle? I can tell you I've, I have been. This week has been so hard to keep my mind stayed on the truth to keep my mind stayed on God's goodness. Your brain is pre-wired by your sinful nature to see the negative things and to despair. We've got to fight. How many of you find yourself tired and weary of thinking this way over and over again? But as Christians, how many of us truly, truly want to be found faithful before God for the way that we thought? Not just the things that you do, the way that you think, the way that you believe. You cannot go through this life believing you're not at war. There is a promise. We are commanded to be sober, to be vigilant, because the adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to kill you. You know why? Because God loves you. And anything that God loves, the devil hates. And God sent his own son to die for every single one of us. That's how much God loves you. And that's how much more the devil wants to kill you. He wants you out of the fight. Because he knows the power of God's word. He knows that he can't be in the presence of light and of truth. And so he's gonna do everything that he can to put you down, to turn you off, and to keep you in the darkness that you live in. To keep you oppressed, thinking you cannot get out of this. God wants to give you life. He wants to give you freedom. He died to set you free. 
So take the shackles off today. Let's change the way that we think. Because friends, when we change the way that we think, God can change your life. When you change the way that you think, God can change your life. Maybe you're here today and everything sounds really good, but you still feel hopeless. I just wanna challenge you real quick. Did you know that first you need to be on the winning side? If there is a war against good and evil, against the light and the darkness, you need to, to first know what side of that fight you're on. We were born into this world naturally in the family of darkness, sin. You will not have victory over your negative thoughts if you are not on the winning side. Now, maybe you're weary, you're tired, you, you're so ready for help. You know what Jesus says to you? Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me, all of you who are weary and you're carrying heavy burdens. And Jesus will give you rest. So I wanna invite all of us just to bow our heads, just to give some privacy. Go ahead and close your eyes, reflect on some of these truths. But if you are here today and you do not have a relationship with God, you will not be able to change the way that you think. You need Jesus first. And I wanna give you an opportunity right now. There's nothing special. It's just doing what God says. And he says to cry out to me. So if you wanna repeat this prayer with me and accept Jesus, we can say, dear Jesus, please save me. I'm so tired. I'm weary. I'm burdened. I've tried it on my own and it's not working. Jesus, you died for me. I believe it. You rose again to bring me to life, to bring me into the family of God. So Jesus, please save me. I put my faith and my trust in you. Please forgive me for all of my sins and come into my life and help me change the way that I think. Believers, if you're here, keep your heads down, your eyes closed. If you're here today, I just wanna challenge you, don't leave this place without doing business with the Lord. He wants your life to be so rich full of purpose and meaning. He wants his power to shine through you. We've got to change the way that we think or else we won't have the mental capacity to do what God wants. Don't limit your purpose in life by not fighting the fight. Father, I pray for everybody here and I thank you. I thank you for your love and the power that you have invested to all those who call themselves believers that have received you, are your sons and daughters, 
the power that you have given us. Give us boldness today and courage to fight for you because we love you because you deserve that from us. Pray that if there's anybody here that just has questions, Lord, would you, would you bring them forward after the service? Would you provide somebody in their life to answer questions? If, if there are people here that are still wrestling with starting a relationship with you, Father, I pray that you would pursue them. Pursue them that they might know your love. And in all things, God, we thank you we know that we'll do what we can do. You'll do what we can't do, God. But in all things, we trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit at harvest.church.com.